It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 263 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. We got a lot to get into today. We're going to start with that thrilling gold medal game between the United States and Canada. The United States, of course, coming away with a 2-0 shutout win, a very improbable shutout win against a Canadian team that, frankly, looked unbeatable at times during this tournament. But that's the beauty, or I guess if you're looking at it from Canada's perspective, the... uh, unfortunate side of playing a single elimination tournament. It's just one game. The United States was the better team for 60 minutes last night. They got a fantastic performance from Spencer Knight in between the pipes. Trevor Zegers with another two-point night because, of course, and just a great team win for the United States, uh, pulling the upset against Canada, winning the gold medal. We're also going to get into Notes from Ranger practices. Both goalies have been looking really sharp. We also saw Morgan Barron getting an opportunity on the top line with Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich as Mika Zibanejad continues to miss practice. So we're going to talk about practice from yesterday, and practice is just starting today for the Rangers. So we'll talk about that if anything big happens there. So like I said, a lot to get into, but we got to put a bow on the World Juniors to kick things off here today and talk a little bit about this gold medal game last night. First of all, let's, let's mention the bronze medal game at least. We'll give it a little bit of an honorable mention here. Uh, Finland beat Russia 4-1 to to win the bronze, and it was actually a much closer game than it sounds because Finland was up 2-1 to with just under two minutes remaining. Russia thought that it got the equalizer, but it was ruled no goal, and then a couple of empty netters that basically sealed the game for Finland 4-1, to so Finland takes the bronze medal after losing to the United States in heartbreaking fashion the day before, and uh, Russia, unfortunately for them, they go medalless after getting shut out by Canada in the semifinals and then also losing this game. But we go to the gold medal game, Canada versus the United States. Unfortunately, this was to be expected, but no Hunter Skinner. He's been inactive for all of this tournament and no Dylan Garan because obviously the Canadians were going to look to continue to ride with Devin Levi. Levi's been great in this tournament. He hasn't always been tested as Trevor Segris alluded to in the pregame, but I mean, hey, He's not allowing any goals. He's played 17 periods in this tournament coming into the action last night, and he's allowed a grand total of three goals. So that's impressive any way you slice it. And again, you can't talk about this game without first mentioning the utter domination that Canada has enjoyed throughout the entire tournament. They had outscored their opponents 41-4 to going into this game. Uh, they had not given up an even-strength goal. And something that all of the analysts on the NHL Network had been saying And first of all, again, let me just really give a lot of credit to the NHL Network, everybody involved from the announcers to the analysts. uh, They just really sold this tournament as a really a big deal, really a prestigious tournament, and it is. You know, there's a gold medal on the line, there's national pride on the line, but they did a great job making this tournament feel like a big deal. And I think that's the kind of thing that's going to attract more fans to it as the years go by here. I mean, the tournament's been around for a long time, but I think only recently has it started to really pick up some traction. But one thing that they kept saying, they kept making a point that Canada has not trailed at all in the entire tournament, and they are correct about that. They have been utterly dominant, but why not take it one step further and also mention the fact that Canada, not only have they not trailed, they have not been tied in this tournament 
with any of their opponents, except for obviously 0-0 at the start of every game. So think about that. They haven't even been tied one-to-one. They score the first goal, and they score the second goal in every single game that they've played. I don't know if maybe that was to the United States' advantage that... You know, they're the team that's been in all these barn burners, these down-to-the-wire, nail-biting games, and Canada really hasn't. I mean, Canada, you know, they were pushed a little bit by Slovakia in the preliminary round, and they also were in a competitive game against the Czech Republic in the quarterfinals, but they haven't really faced big-time adversity in this tournament the way the United States has. And Maybe that gave the United States an advantage in the game last night, being comfortable playing a low-scoring, just tight, uh, very tense game for 60 minutes. I don't know. I can't say that for sure. I don't think it hurt the United States by any stretch of the imagination that they, in this tournament, had been used to playing some very tight games. And something else that might have been working in the United States' favor, and I don't know this for sure. It's just something that I want to at least float out there. There was no off day between the semifinals and the medal games, which seems a little bit strange to me. You would think you would let these teams kind of recharge their batteries and get ready and gear up for their medal game, but they did not do that. It was the day after, and look, On one hand, everybody's in the same boat, right? You play one day, you play the day after. Nobody really has an advantage. But on the other hand, you look at all just the pure skill, the pure talent of the Canadian team. If you're going to go into a game and both teams are maybe a little bit fatigued or sore from the day before, then maybe you take that if you're the United States because maybe it slows down Canada just a little bit. I mean, you guys see the way they've been scoring goals in this tournament. So I think anything that might cause them to be just a half step slow, you'll probably sign up for that if you're the United States. And something else that I thought was absolutely huge coming into this game is the United States really, really, really needed to stay out of the penalty box because taking bad penalties nearly cost them dearly against Slovakia and especially against Finland. Uh, Just too many undisciplined penalties. You know, you can understand trying to prevent a scoring opportunity, hook somebody down or whatever it might be, but there were too many penalties that were coming in the attacking zone and the neutral zone, and they're just not necessary. And... Somehow, they lived to tell about it. They got through those games, and they won a nail-biter against Finland despite giving up a late equalizing goal while shorthanded. They came back. They got the goal from Kaliev and won that game. But man, going up against Canada, you figure they're going to create enough scoring opportunities on their own. You can't be out there taking penalties and giving them even more scoring chances, especially taking penalties that you just don't need to take. And the United States did a fantastic job with this in this game. They only took one penalty. It was in the first period, and the penalty kill stepped up and got the job done. Canada got a couple chances, but the United States penalty kill uh, rose to the occasion. Kept the puck out of the net. Spencer Knight was fantastic. He was the best penalty killer on the ice for the United States when that was happening. But that was absolutely huge in this game, not giving Canada any additional opportunities by taking undisciplined penalties. And just to kind of take you guys through the game here, the first period, I thought Canada had an early edge. They had a couple early scoring opportunities. Nothing like of the A-plus variety, but a couple shots on net, and you could tell Spencer Knight had his A game from the beginning of the night. There was a sharp angle shot by Cousins. Uh, Knight made a really nice save, did not allow a rebound. And it's funny because, you know, this period, it keeps going, it keeps going. Maybe Canada has a little bit of an edge through the first 10 minutes or so. But, you know, I'm watching this game, and I'm so locked into what's happening. And then you look up at the scoreboard, and you realize, oh, there's only nine minutes left in the first period. And that in and of itself was kind of a mini victory for the United States, I thought, because the way Canada has just been dominating and getting early goals in seemingly every game that it plays, just the fact that it was still scoreless 11 minutes in uh, felt like a small win for the United States. And obviously, there's still a long way to go. United States still has its work cut out for it at this point. But to just be scoreless with this team after 11 minutes, yeah, thumbs up there. A great job by the United States, kind of withstanding an early push from Canada and uh, keeping the game scoreless. 
And in fact, it stayed scoreless until Alex Turcotte scored on a deflection 13-25 into the opening period, giving the United States a one to nothing lead. Uh, this was great. United States just working really hard to keep the puck pinned in the Canadian zone. And in fact, the line that set this whole thing up was not actually the line that scored because the Voldy veneers Caulfield line, they were out there with a really strong shift, maintaining possession in the Canadian zone and just not allowing Canada to get the puck out. And then there was a line change and onto the ice jumps the turcotte zegris Kaliev line. And they basically took advantage of what was a tired group of players for Canada. Zegers moves the puck back to Drew Hellison. Hellison takes a shot from the blue line, basically just looking to play it toward the net. And Alex Turcotte is there. He deflects it home short side. And man, what a valuable edge to have here to finally make Canada play from behind a little bit and uh, actually get the jump on them in a game. Again, this is a team that outscored its opponents 41-4, to had not given up an even strength goal in the tournament up until this point. United States takes a one to nothing lead, 13-25 into the opening period. And then Canada gets its lone power play of the game. Again, they had a couple of good chances in the first 20 seconds, but the United States got the clear. Uh, McMichael took a wrist shot from the high slot that went just wide, and then Boldy eventually gets another clear for the United States. Tremendous pressure from Canada, uh, but the power play does expire. United States back on their heels a little bit there, but they hang in there. And again, Spencer Knight with some really nice saves there to keep the score at 1-0 heading into the second period. Wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season has concluded, and there are some big-time playoff matchups right around the corner. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. BetOnline.ag Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner by going on Twitter and going to at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Once again, that is promo code locked on in all caps and you will get your sign up bonus. Hashtag bet online. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. We'll get back to the World Juniors and the Rangers in just a second here, but first, just wanted to tell you guys about Locked On Bets. 2020 is mercifully over. It is time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. 
And just a couple other interesting notes from this gold medal matchup here. You had uh, some really intriguing, I almost want to say like one-on-one matchups. I mean, first of all, from Ranger fans' perspective, you had to be looking at Brett Berard and Braden Schneider. They've both played very, very well in this tournament. I think Ranger fans have to be very excited from what they've seen from both of these guys. I was kind of trying to keep an eye on both guys and see if they happened to cross paths during the game. I didn't really happen to notice it. I mean, I'm sure at one time or another, they were both on the ice at the same time. I didn't see any interactions between the two of them, but it is cool just just knowing that the Rangers uh, had a prospect on each side of the gold medal game. Then also you've got a very interesting goalie matchup as well, uh, Spencer Knight against Devin Levi. And the reason this is interesting is they were kind of, well, first of all, both of them were drafted by the Florida Panthers and kind of taken at opposite ends of the spectrum. In 2019, Spencer Knight was the number 13 overall pick in that draft. And then this past season, 2020, Devin Levi was the number 212 overall pick also by the Florida Panthers. So the Panthers obviously have to be feeling good about the way each of their goalie prospects performed in this tournament. And then you also had Dylan Cousins against Trevor Zegras. And they both were drafted in 2019. Cousins was the number seven overall pick of that draft by the Sabres. And Trevor Zegras, the number nine overall pick of that draft by the Ducks. And they've obviously both been just killing it in this tournament. But the second period starts, and it's funny because I, I swear this is true. So the puck drops, and I thought the United States, right from the moment the puck at the ice, they got off to a really good start here. I wrote down in my notes that they had a great first shift to begin the second period, which is obviously very important. You're in a one-goal game against this almighty Canadian team, and... I wrote that down before they ended up scoring, and they scored just 32 seconds into the period. Trevor Zegras, who else? Basically, the puck goes behind the Canadian net and takes kind of a funny bounce or two, and you know, it looked like it was going to go all the way around the boards there, and it kind of bounced back in the other direction. Devin Levi, the Canadian goalie, was confused. He didn't know where it was, but Trevor Zegras found the puck behind the net, pulled it in front, and basically just tucked it home with a backhand. Two to nothing, United States. Uh, so again, a little bit of a break for the U.S. there, but they're kind of earning these breaks. They've played just tremendous hockey up to this point in the game, and they get a 2 nothing lead on Canada. And something else that I love here, back to the energy line after a goal. This has become kind of a trend for the United States as this tournament has progressed. Whether the United States scores a goal or whether the opposition scores a goal, they tend to go with this uh, this third line, Berard, Farinacci, and Brink. These guys just bring the energy. They get in their heart on the forecheck. They never take a shift off. They've looked great together. And something else that I mentioned in a previous episode is it's been a lot of fun to watch Berard and Brink specifically on the same line because Berard obviously taken by the Rangers, Brink taken by the Flyers, and you just get the feeling in a few years, you know, I think Brink certainly is going to play on the Flyers. He was taken in the second round. Berard, I get the feeling, you know, eventually, hopefully we see him with the Rangers. I think he has a chance to become uh, a very popular player. If he does make it to the Rangers, we're probably a couple years from that, but sooner or later, if Berard's playing on the Rangers, Brink's playing on the Flyers, these guys, they're going to cross paths and uh, probably butt heads a little bit. But hey, it's fun to watch them as teammates while it lasts. But they were in there. They were absolutely buzzing. Farinacci made a pass to Brink. Brink took a shot from a sharp angle. The save was made. There was an instance where Levi lost his stick. Unfortunately, the United States could not take advantage of that. But they had a couple of chances to make it 3 to nothing here because they got their first and only power play of the game. Uh, Kaliev had a couple of shots on net. He actually got his own rebound, and uh, Levi made the save, hangs on to the second one. But then, this is as close as Canada came to scoring in the entire game. They go in shorthanded with a three-on-two, and Byram moves in from the left side, carries the puck across the goal crease, puts it off the far post, again, while the Canadians were shorthanded. So, from a literal perspective, that was as close as the Canadians came to scoring in this game, uh, Byram putting it off the post there. 
But from that point on, it's basically just the Spencer Knight show for the United States. There were a couple scrambles in front of the U.S. net. And I thought that throughout the game, you look at the entire game as a whole, this is the best push that Canada got here. Shortly after the United States power play expired, there were a couple scrambles. The puck just would not go in for Canada, just one of those nights. There was a lot of frustration on Canada's part. There were a couple instances where, you know, Connor Zary, uh, you know, he slammed his stick down on the bench. He slammed his stick down against the glass. A couple other instances where different players on Team Canada, uh, they really showed their frustration because, hey, I mean, they're, they're scoring six goals a night. They're used to lighting it up, and they just cannot solve this United States team, and specifically Spencer Knight, who rightfully was named the player of the game with a 33-save shutout. Berard actually had a really nice chance to score for the United States. He created this all on his own. He basically stole a pass, went through the neutral zone up the right side, worked his way to the center of the ice, took a shot from kind of the high slot area and put it just wide of the net. So, I mean, that would have been maybe the dagger the way Spencer Knight was playing. I mean, certainly you can't rule out Canada uh, the way they can score goals being down 3 nothing, but yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been a big one there, but still just 2 to nothing for the United States heading into the third period and I mean, I don't know how many different ways I can say that Knight was awesome in this game. He's just scoring up everything. He's not permitting very many rebounds at all. And this was a crazy sequence getting to be pretty late in the third period, about eight minutes remaining at this point. Just a wild scramble in front of the United States net. I mean, Knight is flopping around. I heard something hit the post, but I think it may have been a stick. Uh, the puck, you know, there's, there's a scramble to find the loose puck. There are sticks flying all over the place. There's literally two sticks in the air at the same time. I don't even know what happened there. It was just total chaos. But the United States somehow keep the puck out of the net. And the U.S. did not sit back late in this game here. I mean, there were a couple opportunities they had, even with like four and three minutes remaining, to make the score three to nothing, which at that point pretty much would have been the dagger. Uh, Zegers and Turcotte almost linked up for a goal. But then we had an instance where McMichael stole the puck for Canada, went in on a breakaway. And again, only about three and a half minutes left at this point. Uh, Knight comes way up in the crease, smothers the opportunity. And again, you know, Canada showing the frustration after the play stop at Sherry McMichael basically just slammed his stick against the glass. And then we're getting down to about two and a half minutes remaining. Canada continues to get a couple of opportunities. There was an instance where the puck basically just trickled into the slot. Big slap shot and Knight with an excellent left pad save. There was another scramble about a minute later. Knight sticks out his left pad to keep the puck out. He had his skate right up against the post there. Just perfect form. Uh, just not going to let the puck get by him. It was one of those nights where Spencer Knight just said, hey, jump on my back, guys. I mean, this was a great team performance. Don't get me wrong. But Spencer Knight really kind of stole the show for the United States last night against a Canada team that, again, uh, I mean, use any superlative you want. They've just been fantastic in this tournament, scoring goal after goal after goal. And he gets a 33-save shutout to lead the United States to the gold here. Bowen Byram was the player of the game for Canada, and, and Spencer Knight was the player of the game for the United States. It really couldn't possibly be anybody else. Uh, his third shutout of the tournament. He had a really rough game to kind of kick off the tourney against Russia in the preliminaries. He got yanked out of that game after giving up four goals in less than two periods, but he has been great ever since. Really some clutch saves uh, throughout the rest of the tournament, and a, just a fantastic performance here against Team Canada, putting the exclamation point on his run in the tournament. It was cool to see Hunter Skinner out there, another Ranger prospect. He obviously did not get to play in this tournament, but he was there to get his gold medal. Got to be a little bittersweet. I mean, look, it's hard to even make these teams, and so he should be very proud of that in and of itself. I'm sure he would have loved to have been out there competing. But it was really cool how they did this. For both Canada and the United States, they had uh, the captains giving out the gold medals to the teammates. I really liked that. So it was Kim York for the United States. Uh, Berard went up there, gave him a hug. Don't get too used to that because Kim York, another player who's been drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. And so uh, if Berard and Kim York happen to cross paths a couple of years from now, uh, I don't expect it to be quite as cordial. But it was really cool. You know, they play the national anthems for the winning teams after all of these games. And the United States, you know, they've all got their arms around each other. Uh, they were all singing the national anthem. A lot of these guys are much better hockey players than they are singers. But 
you know what? That's all right. This was a tremendously fun run by this United States team, capped off with a pretty big upset over Canada in the gold medal game. And uh, by the way, this other hockey league, the NHL, going to be starting in just one week. One week from tonight, we've got opening night, and then the Rangers opening night is the night after that, Thursday the 14th, against the New York Islanders. So again, I and I mean no disrespect to this tournament when I say this, but I've kind of been looking at this as kind of the appetizer before the main course because I know a lot of us Ranger fans are really, really looking forward to this season. This might be as much as I've ever been looking forward to a Rangers season since I've been a fan of this team. And I don't say that lightly, but when you look at the improvements made uh, during the course of last regular season, you also add in the fact that they had a disappointing early playoff exit getting swept by the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that they had dominated in the regular season. That was obviously really disappointing. I think all these things just make you look that much more forward to the next season. That's where I'm at right now. You guys let me know. I mean, I think there's got to be at least a couple of you out there that maybe this is really up there for you guys as far as how much you've ever been looking forward to a New York Rangers season. And also, another factor... We've had to wait a little bit longer than we usually do because the season's going to be starting on January 13th for a handful of teams, January 14th for the Rangers. So it's been a lengthy wait here. You know, the season usually kicks off in October, but hey, you know, that just builds up the anticipation and I just cannot wait for the puck to drop uh, Thursday the 14th against the Islanders. And I had a blast watching this tournament. Uh, tremendous experience for both Braden Schneider for Team Canada. Obviously, they lost, but he was great in this tournament. And also Brett Burrard, you know, he didn't stuff the score sheet the way a lot of other players in the United States did, but his impact was felt. He was a go-to player playing on a go-to line for this United States team. Anytime a goal was scored one way or the other, that Burrard line was out there and uh, creating energy and creating momentum for the United States. So I loved it. Looks like they got a steal in the fifth round. I mean, I don't want to read too much into this because it is just a handful of games. This is obviously not the NHL, but Brett Burrard showing very well for himself in this tournament. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Locked On NHL podcast, get ready for the start of the regular season with Sarah Evampato and the Locked On NHL season preview series. Previews of all 31 NHL teams, division by division, and who to pick up and drop in your fantasy leagues, courtesy of Locked On fantasy hockey host Scott Cullen. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about Ranger practice from yesterday and also today. Uh, Ranger fans are a little bit nervous right now, myself included, because Artemi Panarin did not practice today, Wednesday. There's no word on why he's not there, and at this point, if you're a fan of this team, and I assume most of you are, you basically just 
Keep your fingers crossed and hope that it's nothing major. It could just be a maintenance day. That's always possible. You know, I think if there's anybody who can afford to miss a practice, it's probably Artemi Panarin. He's not one of these guys who's battling for a roster spot. He's got some experience in the NHL, as you guys probably noticed. He's coming off of an absolutely fantastic season. So he knows what he's doing out there, and it's entirely possible that this is indeed just a maintenance day. But I don't know. It seems a little weird that on just the third day of practice, they would pull him out to give him a maintenance day. Um, and again, you just keep your fingers crossed, first of all, that it has nothing to do with COVID. And uh, secondly, that if there is an injury of any kind, that it's very, very minor. And the Rangers just being overly cautious, which is definitely the right thing to do with a player of Artemi Panarin. And again, he doesn't have anything to prove in these practices. His spot is obviously secure. So you just hope that it's nothing major. And, you know, it's not good. You know, We're three days into practice here, and Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad both missing practice time, and I am stating the obvious here when I say that the Rangers can ill afford to lose those guys going into the regular season, but you guys know how it is with hockey. These teams tend to be very vague when dealing with player absences. As far as we know with Mika Zibanejad and also Justin Richards and Keith Kincaid, they're all still day-to-day. We'll obviously keep an eye on that going forward. And Tony D'Angelo actually just did a Zoom call with a handful of New York Ranger reporters, and he talked about his goals for the upcoming season. He said, my first goal is to be real good defensively. I'm kind of tired of hearing about all of the defensive woes of mine. And so that's great. I mean, I think with D'Angelo, you figure the points are going to be there. He obviously took massive steps forward in that department last season. He's going to be out there on the power play quite a bit, going to be playing with some very talented players. He's going to get his goals. He's going to get his assists. But nice to hear that, you know, he's really focused on becoming, uh, you know, a standout defensive defenseman, if you will. And so we'll look to see if he can take strides in that category, because if he does that, I mean, he becomes one of the elite defenseman in this league. He's already got the offensive game. He's already an elite offensive defenseman, but if he can work on the defensive aspects of his game and improve in that area, then yeah, Tony D'Angelo, an all-star caliber defenseman at that point. Another encouraging note for Ranger fans is that it sounds like both goalies, Igor Shesterkin and Alex Georgiev, each off to fantastic starts at these practices. David Quinn talked about the goaltending situation after yesterday's practice, and this is what he had to say about it. In this season, every team in this league is going to have to rely on their two goalies. We're fortunate because we feel that we have two number one goalies. I'm not just saying that. Georgiev has had a good career so far. I think he's ready to make the next step. Shesterkin, in a small sample, certainly proved he can be a really good goalie at this level. We feel we have great goaltending depth, and both of these guys are going to be contributors. We're certainly going to lean on both of them during the course of the season. And, you know, it's easy to dismiss that as coach talk. I mean, David Quinn and really any NHL head coach, they're not going to just hand the starting job to somebody like Igor Shesterkin, who's only played in 13 career NHL games. Of course, the 12 regular season games last season, and then also game three against the Carolina Hurricanes in the postseason. But I actually tend to believe him here. I don't think that he sees this as anything other than a wide-open competition to be the starting goalie. I get the feeling to start the season, we might see a little bit of an even timeshare between the two of them. Uh, maybe with Shesterkin getting slightly more than half of the games, but then I get the feeling that as the season goes on, we're going to see a situation where Shesterkin proves to be the better of the two goalies, and that's no knock on Alex Georgiev. I just really, really believe in Igor Shesterkin. I think he really is the real deal. He looked great in his short time with the Rangers last season. He's dominated everywhere else he's been in his hockey career, and I just think the Rangers, sooner or later, they're going to hitch the franchise wagon, so to speak, to Igor Shesterkin. And maybe you'll see a situation where toward the end of the regular season and into the playoffs, hopefully, uh, the Rangers by then are looking at Igor Shesterkin as the goalie. But both guys are going to have big roles. We've talked about on this podcast how the role of the backup goalie has really increased in recent seasons. And there's a lot of teams that just go with basically a timeshare. I mean, look what the Hurricanes did against us in the playoffs last year. They were going back and forth between their two goalies, despite mainly being in control 
of all three of those games and not giving up any significant amount of goals. He only allowed uh, four goals in the three games total, and yet they were mixing their goalies in and out of the lineup. So, yeah, I mean, both guys are going to play a big role. I do take David Quinn at his word here. I don't think it's just coach speak. I think he really is going to uh, allow both these guys to compete, and the better you play, the more ice time you're going to get. It's really just that simple. Something else that we're obviously going to be keeping an eye on going forward here is the situation with Mika Zibanejad. Like I talked about, the Rangers being very vague. We don't really know what's going on. He still has the day-to-day distinction. But on Monday, the Rangers went with Brett Howden centering the top line between Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich. And then on Tuesday, they actually gave Morgan Barron a look there. And then it looks like today, Wednesday, back to Brett Howden on the top line between Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich. But it's interesting that they would go with Morgan Barron in that spot because I think, you know, going into opening night, he's somebody that would certainly seem to be be a long shot to make the roster, but you never know what can happen if Morgan Barron comes up with a big-time training camp. I mean, is it possible that he plays on opening night? I think it's definitely possible, and even crazier, could we actually see him out there making his NHL debut on the first line, centering Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich? I think that one might be a little bit of a stretch, but it is interesting to know that he at least got an opportunity to play with those guys in practice. And for anybody who might need a refresher, the Rangers drafted Morgan Barron in the sixth round of the 2017 NHL draft, taking him number 174 overall. That was a pick that originally belonged to the San Jose Sharks. And Barron has played three seasons for Cornell University since then and basically just gotten better with every passing season. He's coming off of a career best season that saw him skate in 29 games with Cornell, scored 14 goals, dished out 18 assists for a total of 32 points in those 29 games, and in 98 career college hockey games, 34 goals for Barron, 50 assists, 84 points total. So obviously a very productive career at Cornell. And we'll have to just wait and see how this shakes out with Morgan Barron. At some point, it's at least possible that he makes his Ranger debut this season. And I don't know what's going on with Mika Zibanejad. Again, he's day-to-day. Rangers being very vague. But maybe his absence opens up a roster spot for somebody like Morgan Barron. And so we'll just have to wait and see there. And something else that's definitely working in Morgan Barron's favor is the fact that he is capable of playing all three forward positions and that can only help your cause when you bring that kind of versatility to the table. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, again, in a perfect world, Mika Zibanejad's back at practice by tomorrow. But if he has to miss any time this season, it does create some opportunities for guys you know, like Brett Howden, Morgan Barron, maybe even Philip Heedle. Maybe at a certain point, Philip Heedle jumps from the third line up to the first line if Mika Zibanejad's not there. But uh, obviously, fingers crossed that uh, Mika Zibanejad is healthy and safe and back at practice in relatively short order here. But this is what David Quinn had to say when he was asked about Morgan Barron. For a guy who's that size, who can skate, and who's an honest player, and he's got some skill to complement that, he's got a chance to be a good player for us. When that is, who knows? We're going to find out. And as far as Artemi Panarin's absence and who stepped in for him today, it was actually Philip DiGiuseppe playing on the left wing alongside Ryan Strom and Capo Caco on what certainly looks to be the second line there. Uh, not too surprising, DiGiuseppe, somebody who knows what he's doing out there. They kind of used him in this role a little bit last season. There was actually a spell where he was playing on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich when Chris Kreider got injured. So he's somebody who I think David Quinn liked, and he's somebody who I think the Rangers feel good about, you know, just kind of moving him up and down the lineup pretty seamlessly. If somebody has to miss a game because of an injury or whatever it might be, you can plug Philip DiGiuseppe in there for a couple games on whatever line that it happens to be. But uh, yeah, Philip DiGiuseppe was there today. And again, fingers crossed that there's nothing seriously wrong with uh, Artemi Panarin going forward here. But that's going to pretty much do it for today, guys. It's going to be all Rangers, all day, front and center from now until the foreseeable future. I definitely wanted to, uh, you know, give the World Juniors its due, especially given that there were four Ranger prospects competing in the tournament. It was a really fun tournament to watch, fun tournament to cover, fun tournament to come on here and talk to you guys about it every single day. But it's over now, and Rangers opening night is right around the corner. And uh, just going to be talking about them pretty much nonstop. Going to look to line up some guests for you guys. And uh, just going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait until the puck drops between the Rangers and the Islanders on the 14th. 
Hey guys, I was editing the podcast and I figured I might as well add this little part here because there is an update on Artemi Panarin. He, along with Liber Hayek, missed today's practice due to what's being called a procedural situation. I don't know what that means, but the good news is they're both expected back on the ice at practice tomorrow, so uh, Ranger fans can rest easy. doesn't look like there was anything seriously wrong with Artemi Panarin. I don't know that we're going to find out exactly what the deal today was with either him or Liber Hayek, but be that as it may, both guys expected back at practice on Thursday tomorrow. But yeah, that's going to do it for today. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.